Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Wednesday, March the 7th, 2018, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, your first daily dose of happy for the day. And people on the East Coast, particularly in the Northeast, are challenging themselves to be happy in the midst of a yet another snowstorm. March has definitely come in like a lion. Uh, the only question is how much accumulation we're going to get and it it literally seems to be all over the map i mean the accumulation is going to be all over the map but in different amounts <laughs> because so far the weather is telling us accuweather is telling us we could get two to three inches we could get three to six we could get nine to 13 we could get 18 inches so cindy i have no idea how much snow we're going to get <laughs> Well, I, I I know I asked you if, if that made a difference because I don't live anywhere and have never lived anywhere where we had to deal with snow. Um, we get to deal with hurricanes. But I remember asking you, well, oh, gosh, two two inches to 18 inches, that, that must make a big difference in how you plan for this. And you said, no, we're ready. We're just staying in. We regardless. just stay inside. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a simple plan. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> simple, Very simple. Very simple, simple, but elegant, you know. <laughs> make sure you have enough food to eat. Yeah. And hunker down. Yeah, and, and Louise continues to celebrate because she loves snow. Um, it, as a result of this, we don't have many friends anymore. But... <laughs> 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 no, not really. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's really something. I mean, w- looking at the weather map today, I was befuddled because here's this massive storm system that's supposed to affect 50 million people. And it, it almost looks like it's falling apart before it gets going. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, I can only see like an hour ahead with what the map shows me. So it probably yeah. shifts dramatically over the next 10 hours or 12 hours or 24 hours or whatever it's going to be. But we'll just sit back, we'll watch, and then Louise will get all excited and get her skis out and go skiing. So there we go. That's it. <laughs> that so sounds how, like a good plan. So how you doing? What's happening with you? I'm doing well. I had a interesting – well, it's I have a win, and then – involved someone else's win <laughs> which okay. was really fun um the movie icarus mm. have you seen it i have not no well we're, we've been watching some of the movies that have won oscars and my son was a semi-pro cyclist before he was a five-star chef which is what he's doing now wow and um and so i was interested in this um uh, movie because it had to do with the um, the athletes and the state-sponsored doping that was going on in Russia. And it was it's a documentary, and I like documentaries. And so we decided last night, and, you know, usually the night before uh, these early podcasts for me, I usually try to get to bed pretty early. Mm-hmm. And I've been, you know, I've been dealing with this little sore throat thing. And so my plan last night was just go to bed as early as possible. So we decided, well, let's just watch a few minutes of it. <laughs> well, you know how that turned out, right? <laughs> yeah, I could kind of get the idea. <laughs> it was a fantastic documentary. But the funny thing was that we're watching it and we're, you know, maybe less than 20 minutes into the movie, maybe 10 minutes. And they show a, a person on the screen with a name, but just for a second, because he was talking on the phone to the filmmaker and it's just a second and it's. I, I saw the name and I said, wait, because I only saw the guy for a second. Was that Arbin? No. I said, I think it was. I grabbed my phone and I look up the movie and sure enough, it's like one of the coaches that my son had for quite a while 
uh, was in the movie and he oh, actually wow. was in the movie all through the movie. Like later when they showed him, I could actually see him and, and hear him and say, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, OK, that's the first time I've ever been watching a movie that won an Oscar, no less, and just said, hey, wait, I know this person only <laughs> through the movie. That was fun. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, well, I had told you this story when we first connected that I had asked the universe that I, I said, I, I really want to do a podcast, um, but I don't want to be the one to set the whole thing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember you said that. <laughs> and then, you know, it wasn't but a week or so that you had reached out to me. I was like, wow. Well, the same thing happened. Um, I write for, I have written for quite a few outlets, but um, it's not like I'm always submitting articles or looking for places to submit articles. But I um, I had asked the universe for an outlet, a new outlet to write for, and not necessarily Law of Attraction, but an outlet that would be a little more newsy, maybe a little more political, maybe a little a place where I could write some of the things um, that aren't always going to just fit in on my own blog. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, I get a message from a, a news outlet or an, an outlet, um, Confluence Daily, reached out to me and I sent them an article and they said they'd like to have something for me every week. Whoa. So that was a big win. Yeah. I'm really excited. So I got uh, my first article published there yesterday and that was an exciting thing. Very good. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are really good. I, I, I love the one about the friend of yours who was in the movie. It was um, amazing. It was so funny. I was like, okay, this is a first. This is never, <laughs> I mean, never happened to me before. Someone I know personally, that I'm just watching them in this movie that just won an Oscar. It's a fantastic movie, though. If you like documentaries, I recommend it. I'll, I'll tell you a story that's kind of similar in nature. My sister was a theater major when she was in school. And she went to school with this guy who she described as being totally full of himself and was absolutely mortified a couple years later when she saw him on the silver screen. He had gotten <laughs> himself into Hollywood and had become not quite a leading man, but certainly a, a leading player. And you'll know who he is instantly. His name's Tim Curry. And, oh, and, wow. <laughs> and, and I mean, for a couple of years there, PJ was just like, you know, she'd shake her head like, oh, geez, you know. <laughs> the rest of the world is celebrating this new guy and she she's like oh dissing <laughs> it was funny it was really funny <laughs> but he had what it took you know Somehow he did think, he did that ability to be out there put yourself out there and so it might not it might not rub everybody the right way but... that's right <laughs> certainly didn't rub my sister the right way <laughs> but uh yeah that was kind of funny also yesterday i had uh i had an interesting win yesterday not your typical happy win but I had a, an interaction with my cell phone company. And I, I won't go through the whole story because oh. I, don't want to, I don't want to relive the whole thing. But the short everyone version... Everyone listening just went, oh, uh. the cell phone company. <laughs> Well, I don't want to depress everybody. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> the, the, the point of the story is exactly the opposite of that. But um, no, uh, I, I ran into this, this situation with them, and essentially what has happened is they had us, they brought us in under a special plan, a special discount plan, and that discount plan is being rolled away. But the sequence of events over time has been they brought us in on a plan where we were each getting one gigabyte of data per month, and then over time they kept giving us free upgrades to five gigabytes of data per month. 
And now that they're rolling, they're going to start uh, phasing out the plan. If we want to make any changes to the plan, we have to absorb an increase in cost. So mm -hmm. what what they were saying was a free increase was actually not really free. <laughs> it's like the drug dealer, huh? It's like yeah, the right. It's free. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hooked on the five gigabytes a month, and now That's you have right. to pay for it. And, and what actually, well, two things happened. First, it gave me my chance to practice what I preach. And I was a little bit hot for a bit, but I said, no, nope, nope, I'm just not going to let this get to me. And I, I did everything I knew to do to, to get myself distracted and focus on something else. And, and pretty quickly, I, I got past it. I was, I was happy that I got past it in, I think, about a half an hour. It wasn't very long. Um, it was too long from my perspective, but, <laughs> but I got past it. Um, but the other thing that happened is that... Um, the the whole thing was really strange the way that the person I spoke to in customer service presented it to me. First of all, it was one of those deals where you're talking to somebody from India and you can't understand a word they're saying. So, you know, that doesn't help. Um, but I ended up talking to a supervisor who could at least speak some American English. And we, we made ourselves understood to each other. And after we got through and I avoided blowing my top and so forth, I thought about it. I said, you know, the way they did this is really, really weird. It's obviously a kind of a bait and switch. And I said, I wonder what the special actually looks like as it is right now, because they have a new special replacing the old special. So I went and looked, and sure enough, what she had described was there. But she'd also neglected to mention something, and that is they have another plan that's at two gigabytes. And the two gigabyte wow. plan is actually cheaper than the one we're on right now. <laughs> oh, wow. So there's a, a silver lining in it. And we don't even use one gigabyte. You know, So all the extra data was you know, lost on us because we aren't using it. So what I thought was going to be a situation where our rates are going to go up, I think I'll probably just switch plans and our rates are going to go down. <laughs> so it had a really happy ending. Besides yeah, I mean, but what a bizarre situation the whole thing was. And it was so easy to, to just get locked into, I mean, just really easy to do that. And and I have to say their reps didn't really help. They were definitely not deliberately, but they're the you know they they have their script that they're supposed to follow. Their script was poorly written from the perspective of calming down a customer. <laughs> it was not well written from that viewpoint. So I had plenty of opportunity to get upset, but once I cooled down and decided to look at it from a completely different angle and even investigate a little bit, I found there's a tremendous silver lining to the whole thing. So I was excited about that. Well, that, I love that you said. It was practice. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because that's such a great perspective whenever something comes our way that's rubbing us the wrong way, so to speak, or something that's uncomfortable is to recognize it's an opportunity to put into practice all of these things that we're talking about. And if you don't put it into practice, who will? That's the thing I noticed. I mean, it's just me. It's not like I can <laughs> I, I, I send up the designated pinch hitter. You know, and I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That would be nice sometimes. <laughs> Where's the relief pitcher when I need him? So, right. <laughs> so anyway, we're we're continuing on uh, uh, money and the law of attraction, and we we actually made a lot of progress. We went through like six sections yesterday. I think it was five or six. So mm -hmm. we we were really cruising along. I don't think we're going to go through that many today, just because the sections we have coming up are fairly lengthy. But they're good ones. And the first one is called Focus on the Solution, Not the Problem. Now, you have the actual um, uh, paperback book. What page is that on the book? It's right at the bottom of page 27. Okay. Focus you... on the Solution, <clears throat> Not the Problem. How, how's your throat doing today? Do you want to read? 
Um, I can give it a shot. All right. Yeah. Why don't you start? If, if you find it's getting a little bit raw, let me know, and then I'll take it over. Thank you. I will. That that'll work. Okay. Yeah, I've got a I've got a bunch of clients today, so I'm like, okay, then you got to be careful. That's yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> so focus on the solution, not the problem. In the midst of what the television weatherman was calling a serious drought, our friend Esther walked down one of the paths on their Texas Hill Country property, noticing the dryness of the grass and feeling real concern for the well-being of the beautiful trees and bushes that were all beginning to show signs of stress from the shortage of rain. She noticed that the birdbath was empty, even though she had filled it with water just a few hours earlier. And then she thought about the thirsty deer who had probably jumped the fence to drink the small amount of water that it held. And so as she was pondering the direness of the situation, she stopped, looked upward, and in a very positive tone, with very positive sounding words, said, Abraham, I want some rain. And we said immediately back to her, indeed, from this position of lack, you think you will get rain? <laughs> what am I doing wrong? She asked. And we asked, why do you want the rain? And Esther answered, I want it because it refreshes the earth. I want it because it gives all of the creatures in the bushes water so that they have enough to drink. I want it because it makes the grass green and it feels good upon my skin and it makes us all feel better. And we said, now you are attracting rain. Our question, why do you want the rain, helped Esther withdraw her attention from the problem and turn her attention toward the solution. When you consider why you want something, your vibration usually shifts or pivots in the direction of your desire. Whenever you consider how it will happen or when or who will bring it, your vibration usually then shifts back toward the problem. I want to stop for a second there. That, that's, mm -hmm. a, that's something that I've read that before, but that one little word is now jumping out at me and it didn't do that before. Why? When you consider why you want something, your vibration usually shifts or pivots in the direction of your desire. Why haven't I done that? <laughs> why, 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 why haven't I done that? <laughs> I mean, you know, I should be doing that it's regularly. In, it's interesting because of the direction of the question. In other words, the other questions that, that they're telling us are, will often turn us back towards the problem or the mm, lack. Yeah. Questions like, how is it going to get here? Or who is going to bring it? Those are questions that our logical mind starts to argue with. And we start arguing for our limitations. But why we want this thing is not something that we're going to argue with. Mm -hmm. And also how it will happen or when or who will bring it is also directly associated with, I got to do it. I got to make it happen. Right. Because it's like we're figuring out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But all we have to do is ask why we change our perspective by asking why. I got to make a note about that. Just, I got to like create a sign or something that says That's ask a, why. You know, we talked before about and we've talked in this and we've read in this book a lot about powerful questions. And mm -hmm. I always say that my favorite one is what do you want? It sounds really simple. A lot of a lot of us don't know what we want at times. But the follow up question to that is what would having that give you? So it's very close to why do you want it? That's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's good. Okay. But. So moving forward, you see in the process of taking her attention from what was wrong by our asking her why she wanted the rain, 
she accomplished a pivot. She began thinking not only of what she wanted, but why she wanted it. And in the process, she began to feel better. That afternoon it rained. And that night the local weatherman reported an unusual isolated thunderstorm storm in the hill country. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> your thoughts are powerful and you have much more control over your own experience than most of you realize. It's very true. And I, I've had a number of instances where people have told me, uh, both co-hosts and others uh, who have expressed interest in the show, saying, you know, you should probably not talk about this controlling the weather stuff because no one's going to buy into it. But <laughs> let me tell you, I've got a lot of experience it myself. Here's Esther with her story. I've heard so many stories where people can influence the weather. And I'm not saying I control the weather. I'm saying I influence the weather where it affects me. And right. the, the best story I know about that, it's kind of similar to this one. This is this one results in an unusual isolated thunderstorm in the hill country that just affected her. <laughs> well, one of the best stories I had was where um, we were in Virginia. And there was – Virginia, of course, is, is tornado country. Um, it's part of the, the tornado belt in a sense. And there was one particular summer day where – you could see that the conditions were starting to come together and, and you know, the warnings were coming out you know, through the Weather Channel, through AccuWeather and so forth. And then I went to look at the radar and I saw, you know how on, on the radar maps they have like you know green for the rain and yellow for a really active storm and red for a really angry active storm? <clears throat> well, right. When you see that red, that, that's where you start to wonder, is there a tornado coming? Mm. big red cell coming right where our house was. And I even zoomed oh. in on the map to make sure, make sure that's where it was. And it was coming exactly centered at our house. And it was about five minutes away, according to the map. Or oh. no, five to ten minutes away, something like that. And now we had influenced weather before, Louise and I together and, and individually. And so I said to her, Louise, we got to do our weather thing. She says, why? And I explained to her. She says, oh, okay. So we did our weather thing. And I'll explain in a minute what I do. Um, within... Five minutes, ten minutes, we could hear the, the storm starting to pick up. And I was curious to see I, – I, I had never actually seen what happens after we do our weather thing. I wanted to see – could I see what was actually happening? Could I see you know, any change happen because of what we had done? So I walked outside onto the yard, and I look up. Now, we had – at the time, we lived on a, a piece of land that had like about an acre of land. It had trees all around it. And in all directions, you could see trees far off that were even taller than the trees on our property. If I looked at those trees that were far off, they were swaying in the wind like in a hurricane with a palm tree. I mean, it was that Aww. kind of swaying going on. When I looked at our trees, they were just gently bending a little bit here, a little bit there. It was, it was almost like a soft summer breeze by comparison. And it was in all directions around us that that was going on. And I called Louise out and show, showed her, and we looked straight up. All around us in all directions, we could see black clouds. Directly above us, we saw blue sky. And we said, oh, wow. what the heck is going on? Now, we didn't see a lot of blue sky. It was mostly white clouds. But it wasn't black clouds. That's the key thing. And, and I mean, we were just blown away by that. Well, the storm passed. We were unaffected by it. After the storm, we went out to do some shopping. Now, at the time, we lived about 10 miles from the nearest town. So it was like a 10-mile trip just to go anywhere. And as we're passing through our neighborhood within like two or three blocks, we're looking around, nothing. There's no damage. There's no branches down. Everything looked great. Get about three blocks away, and all of a sudden, devastation. 
Oh, wow. And we actually tried it in a couple directions just to make sure it was in any direction. It was devastation. The only place that didn't get devastated was our locus, where we were. So people can say that all this talk about influencing the weather is nonsense. I know differently. <laughs> well, there are many uh, mystical and magical traditions that speak about influencing the weather. It's not anything new. I nope. agree with you that a lot of people probably are like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. But I have my own experiences as well. And I know there's a um, a, a, a story, and I can't remember the people in the story. I want to say it was Greg Braden, but I could be wrong. But a friend of mine actually wrote a book, um, Jeanette Ma. She wrote a book called Pray Rain Journaling. And it has to do with um, a, it came, the, the words pray rain journaling came from a story. And it was about this same thing. And it was, a, I believe, a Native American man that was praying um, because they were in drought. And he said, would you pray for rain? And he said, oh, no, I'm not going to pray for rain. I'm going to pray rain. Mm. And what he was doing was he was closing his eyes and imagining that it was raining on him, mm -hmm. that he was feeling the rain, that he was dancing and playing in the rain like a child, that he was having the experience of what it was like for rain. He said, if I pray for rain, that means I'm lacking rain. I'm praying rain. I'm mm -hmm. experiencing the rain. And I, I thought that was such an interesting, it's exactly what we're talking about, right? It's focusing on the solution. And that's exactly what I do. I said I was going to tell what my method is. I, yes, and I'm I invariably, want to know. I'm invariably not. I, I don't really pray rain. I'm not interested in making it rain, mainly because I've never <laughs> lived in a real drought-like area. So I, I don't have an interest in that. For me, it's always I want the weather to clear because I got things I got to go do. <laughs> so when, when I want to clear the weather, I do exactly what he he's talking about, just kind of the opposite end of it, so to speak. It, I don't care what the weather is actually outside. I will imagine that the weather is. Blue sky, little puffy white clouds, you know, brilliant sun, warm temperatures, high 60s, low 70s, you know, moderate to low humidity, just beautiful weather. And I'll just hold that in my mind as well as I can and, and just get into it and feel it and enjoy it. It's like, whoa, I love this kind of weather. I've even done that, Cindy, with a gale wind blowing in my face at about uh, 40 miles an hour with 35 degree temperature. It, which is not easy to do, but I've done it as a way of practicing. Like, can I get myself to focus on it? And, you know, invariably, the reality is literally blowing in my face. So it, it's hard to do. <laughs> but I, but it's, it's a good practice. That's why I do it. It's good practice. And every once in a while, I've actually been able to hold my focus, even in the midst of that kind of a gale. One of my favorite, favorite stories to tell is how, um, you know, how I do my walks. Well, we have... Uh, what we call rails to trails, where they take old railroad beds, dig them up, and replace them with pathway that you can walk or bicycle or anything like that. And it's one goes right by where our house is, so obviously you know where I can go for my walks. Well, I was out on one of my walks, and the particular route that I t took is one that I like to take. It's about two miles down, two miles back, so it's about a four-mile walk. As I'm walking down, there's, again, there's, there's the black clouds. There's a big storm coming in. It's blowing right into my face. You can just see it. It's just in all directions. And I said to myself, I, I want to enjoy this walk. I don't really want to get rained on. And so I'm going to see if I can do my thing and just imagine blue skies and puffy white clouds and yellow sun and, and uh, you know just a cheery 
scene, so to speak, with you know, temperate temperatures and all that good stuff. So I did. And I did it for the, the entire two miles down. And nothing oh, wow. was changing. And I was saying, oh, geez, I, I guess I'm not focusing well enough. I was so I was discouraged, actually, because I've been really working hard on it for that, that, that two-mile trip. And I got to the end of the two miles, and I looked up. It was like it was gray as can be. I said, oh, great. I turned around, and behind me, in everywhere that I looked behind me was blue sky and puffy white clouds. It had been following me, and I didn't know it. <laughs> That's such a great story. And literally, standing, I'm standing under the dividing line. You look off to one side, and it's all black clouds. You look off to the other side, and it's all blue sky. I'm thinking... Okay, this is weird. <laughs> this is really weird. Well, the way you say it was following me, it reminds me of what happens so often, and that is that you know we hold a vision for something, and then we don't see it happening, and then we so we stop. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, it was right, ready to happen. It was or right there. It does happen anyway, and then <laughs> we're like, oh my goodness, we stopped. I mean, that's. And, you know, you standing there with the gale force wind in your face, it's just such a great picture of that practice of being able to hold a vision. You know, anyone can envision something. That's not the difficult part. The thing we need practice for is envisioning it when all of our other senses are screaming at us that it is not the case. Yes, that's where it's really tough. That's where that's what separates the men from the boys. <laughs> that's that's when we need it. You know, yeah. that's when it makes a difference yeah. that we can hold the vision. Um, when things start looking like I always call it a, a field test. When we when we make a strong declaration of anything, we're often faced with uh, what I call a field test, and that is an opportunity to step back into that old identity or step into the new place where we are holding the vision and believing it to be something different. It really I don't calls believe it's you. a pass or fail kind of thing. It's a litmus no, test. It just no. shows us where we're at, but it often happens. It's a way of challenging ourselves, really. How well can I maintain my focus in the face of overwhelming evidence from reality? Because that takes laser focus to do that. And, yeah. and the first time you do it, you feel like, oh, geez, how on earth am I supposed to do this? That's literally the feeling that you get. I, I, I can't do this. No one can do this. But mm-hmm. if you if you just get determined enough and just it's, – it's kind of like screwing up your courage to go do something you, you're a little bit afraid to do. If you can just screw up your, your attention and just screw it into this little tiny laser-sized focus and say, that's all I'm going to focus on. And I'm not going to allow anything else in. I'm just going to focus on that little bit. I'll even – if I'm trying to do something with weather, I'll, I'll try to find somewhere – in the scene around me, one little piece of what my ideal scene would be. It may be a leaf. Literally, that's all I can find that reminds me of my ideal scene. But I'll focus on that one leaf, and I'll turn that leaf in my mind into the bigger scene. Now, do I always do that successfully? Absolutely not. The first time was dreadful. (laughs) The first time I couldn't even come close to do it. The second time I couldn't come close to do it. It took a lot of times to really get it. But now I can do it like at least 40 to 50 percent successful in most cases sometimes if i'm in a really good space i can get like 90 to 100 percent it just takes a lot of practice so now the practice is bringing some snow for louise in the summer when she just wants to ski right (laughs) actually i don't think we want to do that that would really screw up the gardening business I think even Louise would say, no, I think uh, we're we're done with the snow during the summer. (laughs) Okay, so starting at the in the paperback 
copy at the very top of page 29 the subheading is what i do want is to feel good and that's funny we're we've, we're always touching on this right what right. We, what we do want let's yes of what we don't want a young father found himself at his wits end because his young son was wetting the bed every night not only was this father frustrated about the physical disruption of finding wet bedding and clothing every morning, but he was concerned about the emotional ramifications of this continuing for such a long time. And frankly, he was embarrassed by his son's behavior. He's too big for this, he complained to us. We asked, when you come into the bedroom in the morning, what happens? Well, as soon as I walk into his room, I can tell by the odor that he has wet the bed again, he answered. And how do you feel at that point, we asked. Helpless angry, frustrated. This has been going on for a long time, and I don't know what to do about it. And what do you say to your son? I tell him to get out of those wet clothes and get into the bathtub. I tell him he's too big for this and that we've talked about it before. We told this father that he was actually perpetuating bedwetting. We explained, when the way you feel is controlled by a condition, you can never influence a change in the condition. But when you are able to control the way you feel within a condition, then you have the power to influence change in the condition. For example, when you enter your son's bedroom and become aware that something that you do not want to happen has happened, if you would stop for a moment to acknowledge the thing that has happened that you do not want, asking yourself what it is that you do want, And then further enforcing that side of the pivotal equation by asking yourself why you want it. Not only would you immediately feel better, but you would soon begin to see the results of your positive influence. There it is again, the word why. Asking yourself why you want it. I mean, that's one of those questions, as I'm reading it, I, I know what happened the first few times I read this. I know what happened is I read that and I said, well, I already know why I want it. I just skipped right past it. In saying, yeah. I, re- I, know, I already know why I want it. I just skipped right past it. I didn't give myself any chance to actually ask the question and actually answer it, even though I knew why it was I wanted it. Interesting. Yeah. What do you want, we asked. He said, I want my little one to wake up happy and dry and proud of himself and not to be embarrassed. Just reading that, you know, compared to feeling get out of those wet clothes and get into the bathtub i tell him he's too big for this we've talked about it before just reading i want my little one to wake up happy and dry and proud of himself and not to be embarrassed such a different energy level i'm almost disappointed that they didn't ask why do you want it they asked what do you want i i because what he answered was why he wanted it Mm. Mm -hmm. this father felt relief as he focused upon what he wanted Because in making that effort, he found harmony with his desire. We told him, as you are thinking those sorts of thoughts, then what will be oozing out of you will be in harmony with what you do want, rather in harmony than what what you do not want. And you will be more positively influencing your son. Then words will come out of you such as, oh, this is part of growing up. All of us have been through this and you're growing up very fast. Now get out of those wet clothes and get into the bathtub. This young father called very soon after that and happily reported that the bedwetting had stopped. Very cool. (laughs) That's good. 
So the the next section, whenever I'm feeling bad, I'm attracting unwanted. While almost everyone is aware of how they feel in varying degrees, there are few who understand the important guidance that their feelings or emotions provide. In the most simple of terms, and this is in italics, whenever you feel bad, you are in the process of attracting something that will not please you. Ugh. (laughs) The ugh was mine. (laughs) That's right, yes. (laughs) Without exception, (laughs) the reason for negative emotion is because you are focused upon something you do not want or upon the lack or absence of something that you do not want. That you do want. That you do want. The lack. Yes, sorry. You are focused... (laughs) Because you are focused upon something you do not want or upon the lack or absence of something you do want. Many regard negative emotion as something unwanted, but we prefer to see it as an important guidance to help you understand the direction of your focus. Therefore, the direction of your vibration. Therefore, the direction of what you are attracting. Ah, Mm -hmm. You could call it a warning bell. I always say it's like the the red light on the dashboard of the car, right? The, the stop engine light, the check engine light. Uh, you could call it a warning bell because it certainly does give you a signal to let you know that it's time to pivot. But we prefer to call it a guiding bell. Okay, that's nicer, isn't it? <laughs> and and, and they, they went over it rather quickly, but the it, we got. it's really important to say what the it is. The it yeah, the is negative, negative emotion. emotion. Yeah. That, that's right. really critical. It, it reminds me of something that Mike Dooley likes to talk about. Now, he doesn't talk about it in terms of the emotion, but it, it applies beautifully. He talks about it in terms of trying to get from uh, like San Diego to Phoenix or something like that. And how even if you start off in the wrong direction, your GPS will say, make a legal U-turn. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, right, that's right. The warning. That's, that's the signal, right? Well, that's what the negative emotions are saying. They're saying, make a legal U-turn. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I also just love that the whole idea of a guidance system, the whole idea that it's just guidance. It's like, hopefully, if we're going in the wrong direction in our car, we don't beat ourselves up emotionally too much because we were going in the wrong direction, right? It's like, oh, I'm going, oh, got to make a U turn. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whoops. Oh, going in the wrong. I mean, hopefully we are kind to ourselves. As opposed um, to, oh, God, I went the wrong direction. I can't believe I did that. Right. I'm such an idiot. Right. I mean, people talk so terribly to themselves sometimes. But, I'm raising my hand. You know, I do it. I do it. I know. But the GPS is probably not going to start. No, probably not. Okay. The GPS so, is actually rather kind to us by comparison to ourselves. By comparison. So, Your emotions are your guidance system to assist you in understanding what you are in the process of creating with every thought you think. Often people who are beginning to understand the power of thought and the importance of focusing upon good feeling subjects are embarrassed or even angry at themselves when they find themselves in the midst of negative emotion. But there's no reason to be angry at yourself for having a perfectly function, perfectly functioning guidance system yes in fact we really need to be appreciated stress that enough i'm i feel like i talk about this so much especially with clients but it's okay to feel frustrated and angry and disappointed all those things are okay to feel and we need to feel them and be okay with them showing up because they're giving us important information 
Absolutely. Because it's not that we don't want to ever feel them. It's that we don't want to live in them. Right. I mean, we want the signal. Otherwise, how do we know when to make the legal U-turn? It, that's right. We'll, but we don't want to live in it. We, we don't want to actually stay on the route that's going in the wrong direction after we've discovered we're going in the wrong direction. All that's going to do is just make us more frustrated. That doesn't help. But the signal itself is really useful. It's a really useful signal. So anytime we feel a negative emotion, if we can remind ourselves, what, oh, yeah, negative emotions are signals that we are focusing on what we don't want. That's a hard thing to remember. But if we can remember that, now we have a chance to beat it. Yeah, just the little pivot. Oh, my goodness. So simple. Mm-hmm. So this part's also in italics. So we've determined that means pay attention. Right? That's right. It must be important. <laughs> it's in italics. Whenever you become aware that you are feeling negative emotion, begin by complimenting yourself for being aware of your guidance. Yes. And then gently try to improve the feeling by choosing thoughts that feel better. We would call this a very subtle process of pivoting, whereby you gently choose better feeling thoughts. And the other thing I would disagree with is that I wouldn't call it subtle. To me, it's huge. (laughs) I mean, I understand what they mean by it, but... Whenever I am able to recognize and say, well, how do they, they phrase it here? Um, begin by complimenting yourself for being aware of your guidance. For me, that's well, like I think a, that, Yeah, that's the subtlety I think they're speaking of is that we're being so gentle is that we're actually complimenting. But I agree with you. I think it's huge. Like, uh, I've got to celebrate that. I actually noticed. Right? <laughs> Holy cow. This is a wondrous day. I noticed as I was starting to get into the negative direction before it even built up. Whoa, what a victory. So whenever you feel negative emotion, you could say to yourself, I'm feeling some negative emotion, which means I'm in the process of attracting something I do not want. What is it I do want? That's so simple. Mm. Often just ignore. Go ahead. I was just going to say it's simple once we've noticed it. Yeah, it's not easy all the time. Right. (laughs) It's simple, but not easy. (laughs) Strange. (laughs) Often just acknowledging that you want to feel good will help turn your thoughts in a better feeling direction. But it is important to understand the distinction between wanting to feel good and not wanting to feel bad. Yeah, it sounds like the same thing, doesn't it, on the surface? Some people think that it is just two different ways of saying the same thing when actually those statements are exact opposites with huge vibrational differences. If you can begin to orient your thoughts by steadily looking for things that cause you to feel good, you will begin to develop patterns of thoughts or beliefs that will help you create magnificent, good-feeling lives. Yeah, I I would think that, uh, that that's the subtle difference. Right. It, Even it though they're subtle. saying they're actually exact opposite with huge vibrational differences. Sometimes I think when we're in the midst of it, um, that's a very subtle difference of even if you were would say to someone else or yourself, you know, you want to feel good. Yes, I don't want to feel bad. They're viewing it as the same. And yet it's not. And, and- if we're. If we're not wanting to feel bad, we're still focused on the fact that we're feeling bad. How how do we know that? I mean, 
if we're, as we're looking at it abstractly, we say, well, wanting to feel good is the same thing as not wanting to feel bad. But this passage is saying, no, 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 there's actually a very big vibrational difference. So let's look at that for a second. How do we know that there is a big vibrational difference between the two? Well, one way that I can say is when I'm wanting to feel good, just saying the words feel good, well, it feels good. <laughs> when I say not wanting to feel bad, that doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. So clearly yeah. one of the big differences is the way the statement feels. The two statements feel quite different. Right, right. It's that focus. Yeah. Yeah. It's where we put the focus. It's so interesting, which is why this whole process of pivoting is so, it's like so simple, but very powerful. It's just a little switch. Right? From, it is, but it, but but it has a big But it's the difference between yes and no. You know, it's the difference between being open to something, being open. You know, sometimes when I'm coaching people, I'll ask them, before we get started, are are you sitting in a place where your feet can be flat on the floor? And can you make sure that your arms are not crossed and your legs are not crossed? Why? Because I want them to be open to receiving something. Mm. And when we're open, we're saying, yes, yes, this is what I want. I'm open to this. But if you notice, like with body language, when an, an animal is afraid, they make themselves very small. Right. Right. And it's like when we're in that spot of I don't want this, we we constrict ourselves. So we're not open to receiving anymore, which we know that receiving and allowing has to do with uh, the law of attraction. Yeah. In a big way. Yeah. But I look at those two phrases, wanting to feel good and not wanting to feel bad. And if I focus on them, not only is there an emotionally different texture to each one of them, but with the first phrase, wanting to feel good. When I think of wanting to feel good, all of a sudden I start to get these impressions of stuff that feels good. You know, right. I, it, it could be almost anything. It's going to be different for you know from one person to the next. For me, you know, what feels good? It could be my walks. It could be my my music. It could be you know a number of things that I really like. But when I look at the phrase "not wanting to feel bad," none of that comes to my head. Well, and you know, the, I mean, we have an we have a an opioid problem in this country. Mm-hmm. Right. We have problems with addictions of all kinds. And generally speaking, it's because people are trying to not feel bad. Yeah, true. Right. It's like be, just because you don't feel bad doesn't mean you feel good. We can be totally numb and doing things to numb out those bad feelings. And it still hasn't brought us to a good feeling place. We're just not feeling the bad feelings. So that's an interesting you know, thought as well, I think. Yeah, that's one of the things that Yona, my sister-in-law, would talk about when she was co-hosting with me a number of years ago, how um, the neurotransmitters that are associated with good feelings, the endorphins and serotonins and so forth, um, they all are really just pain inhibitors. And so what feels good is that the pain is gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now, hey, when, you, when you're having pain and that pain is relieved, you know, it's definitely... A better feeling it is it is a better feeling what's interesting though is that when you've been in such a bad place that feeling feels like a high it feels mm-hmm. like a drug-induced high and it is a drug-induced high the drug is a natural drug it's one that's built into our bodies but it's still a drug-induced high and the high really isn't so much a high as it is the pain's been taken away that, it's a relief it's a relief not the yeah. way we perceive it but it's a relief 
like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. So when we're saying, well, I don't want to feel bad, what we're really saying is, I don't want to feel pain. Yeah. And, and when we're saying, I don't want to feel pain, what we're really doing is focusing on pain. True. <laughs> okay, so this next section, it's in the middle of page 31 in the paperback. My thoughts dovetail into stronger matching thoughts. This this is something I'm really, really interested in practicing and knowing more about. I think it's fascinating. Whatever thought you are focused upon, whether it is a memory from your past, something you are observing in your present, or something you are anticipating in your future, that thought is active within you right now. And it is attracting other thoughts and ideas that are similar. Not only do your thoughts attract other thoughts that are of a similar nature, but the longer you focus, the stronger the thoughts become and the more attraction power they amass. Yeah, what we're talking about here is is momentum, really. This is the the, uh, metaphysical version of momentum. (laughs) Yes. That's what it is. Our friend Jerry likened this to the ropes he once observed while watching a large ship being docked. It was to be tied with a rope that was very large, too big and bulky to be thrown across the expanse of water. And so instead, a small ball of twine was tossed across the water to the dock. The twine had been spliced into a little bigger rope, which had been spliced into a little bigger rope, which had been spliced into a little bigger rope, until eventually, very large rope, could be easily pulled across the expanse of water. And the ship was then secured to the dock. This is similar to the way your thoughts dovetail into one another, with one connecting to another, connecting to another, and so on. Upon some subjects, because you have been pulling on the negative rope longer, it is very easy for you to get off on a negative tangent. In other words, it, it, takes, it just takes a little negative utterance from someone, a memory of something or some suggestion that takes you into a negative tailspin right away. See, this reminds me of you that when you said, well, I had an experience where I had to be on the phone with my cell service provider. And I immediately went, oh. Yes, right. Right? Just, That's exactly says, what that is. Just a little yeah. negative utterance from It doesn't from take much. <laughs> it doesn't take much at all. Some of them have such strong hot button triggers associated with them. And all we have to do is just, I mean, there are a number of those. You know, politics. Yeah. <laughs> I just say the word politics and people get depressed, right? <laughs> or, or, or news or, you know, uh, the blues or, you know, whatever. There's a whole bunch of these that just have this, oh, sound. <laughs> right? It's like immediate response. Your point of attraction predominantly occurs from the day-to-day things that you are thinking as you're moving through your day. And you have the power to direct your thoughts positively or negatively. For example... You are in the grocery store and you notice that something that you regularly purchase has increased substantially in price and you feel strong discomfort wash over you. You may very well think that you are just feeling shock over the sudden spike in the price of this item and that since you have no say in what the grocer charges for any of the items in this store, you have no option other than to feel discomfort about it. However, we want to point out that your feeling of discomfort is not because of the grocer's action of raising the price of the goods for sale, but instead it is because of the direction of your own thoughts. Now, wait a minute here. Hold on a second. Because this is where this is the reaction I know that, that many people will have. What do you mean that it's not the price going up? Of course, the price going up is what made me feel bad. 
and that's the way we react to so many things. I mean, that's that's what everybody knows. That's common sense, isn't it? <laughs> it seems that way, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So Just how, like how, the so how could it be that when the price goes up, it's actually the direction of my thoughts and not the price? How could that be? Why, why is it that my the direction of my thoughts make any difference? The price went up regardless of the direction of my thoughts. Hey, my, the direction of my thoughts were the price were going to go down. <laughs> and they didn't go down and went up. So clearly right. it was not like, the direction of my, well, my thoughts. Well, yeah, actually it is the direction of our thoughts. But that's a hard concept. That's a hard concept that, because we're flying in the face of reality. Yeah, and, and, and because we're often so reactive. Yes. Right. So just like the analogy of the rope, tied to the rope, tied to the rope, tied to the rope, your thoughts are tied to one another and travel quickly to heightened vibrational places. For example, wow, the price of this is much greater than it was just last week. This price jump seems unreasonable. There's nothing reasonable about the greed in the marketplace. Things are getting way out of hand. I don't know where it's all headed. It doesn't seem like we can go on like this. Our economy's in trouble. I can't afford these inflated prices. I'm having a hard time making ends meet. I can't seem to earn it fast enough to keep up with the increase of the cost of living. So there's that that train of thought, right? I, I, I'm feeling depressed already. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this negative train of thought could move in many directions toward blame of the grocer, to the economy, to your government. But it usually always turns back to the way you feel that the situation will negatively impact you because everything that you observe feels personal to you and everything in truth is personal to you because you are offering a vibration about it that is affecting what now is being attracted to you by your choice of thoughts. This reminds me of, I heard Mike Dooley say one time that anytime he would get a bill that was greater than he expected, you know, something would happen. The car repair people would say, okay, it's going to be, you know, some huge amount of money. He, he trained himself to immediately say, good thing we're rich. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> we say that here. We say that here a lot when <laughs> in this situation. Actually, that reminds me of something that happened very recently. Uh, there's a gentleman who works for my wife's gardening business who's been through some really rough times. And, and I've talked about it a few times on other episodes. I won't repeat all of it. But one thing that happened is that he uh, he had to he lost his car. His car got destroyed by an accident. Um, and it, he wasn't even in the car at the time. He wasn't even driving. But uh, nevertheless, he had all kinds of bad feeling associated with that. And he had to go get another car. Didn't have money for it. A friend loaned him money for the car that he bought. And he couldn't register the car because it needed brake work and it needed uh, some other work too. And and when he had first had it looked at by a mechanic, the mechanic told him it was going to cost like $1,500. Well, he, that's how much he'd paid for the car. <laughs> I mean, it was an old car. Oh. He'd only paid $1,500. Here they're telling him it's going to cost him $1,500 just to fix it to make it roadworthy. And, of course, he went off on that and you know more negative spirals and so on and so forth. Well, we found out from him about... I'm going to say three months later, that he had gotten a second opinion finally. And the second opinion said, oh, no, what they told you was actually misleading because they told you that you, when you do the brakes, you'll have to replace this and this and this. And with this car, you really don't have to do that. You really only oh. have to replace this. So what they said was a $1,500 job is actually going to be about a $750 job. Wow. Now, 
when he was in that bad frame of mind, he couldn't possibly get to that, that final result. He just couldn't have done it. It took him three months. It took wow. him three months to get to the point where he could finally calm himself down enough to go ask. Imagine what it would happen, and, and he's going through some dire stuff, so I'm not, you know, if he's listening, I'm, I'm not telling you, you should have gotten this before now. I'm just saying, imagine if he had been in a better place and had been able to take it in the way that Mike Dooley said, oh, it's a good thing we're rich, even if he wasn't rich, you know, just, just changing the perspective on it. I wonder how much faster he would have found out that the, the actual price of the job was half what he thought it was going to be. Yeah, it certainly might have been sooner. Yeah. And yet, you know, it's all... It's all part of our own process of practice and learning, right? It, so it is. It becomes something that we learn from. Because um, uh, the really positive thing is he discovered it. He discovered that, yeah, it is actually going to be less. And I can say pretty confidently, three to six months ago, I'm not sure he would have gotten there at all. So he's making progress by having got to the point where he, he was able to actually re-ask the question and get a better answer to his own surprise. So kudos, you know? Yeah, because that's one of the things that we don't often do is keep looking for what we want, right? Which is something better. Um, let's see what they say. I'm curious to see how they're going to handle this situation because okay. it's something that I think most of us <laughs> have come upon, right? Expecting something to cost one, one thing and it costs much more. Oh, yeah. If you're aware of how you are feeling and you understand that your emotions are indicating the direction of your thoughts, then you can more deliberately guide your thoughts. For example, wow, the price of this is much greater than it was just last week. However, I'm not aware of the other items in my basket. They could be the same, maybe even a bit lower. I wasn't really paying attention. This one just got my attention because it was so much greater. Prices do fluctuate. I always manage. Things are going up a bit, but it's working out all right. It is quite an impressive system of distribution that makes this variety of goods so accessible to us. Mm. That, that was a, a nice little stream of thought there that was in, not so in the other direction of. Uh... <laughs> well, very much so. That, that had a, yeah. an entirely different feeling to it. Mm -hmm. And again, it's the first time you do that, it can be a little bit of a challenge to get yourself to do that, to, to say that, to look at it that way. But once you do, it feels quite different. It, it has a, a much more calm feel to it. It has a much more positive feel to it. And it has a hopeful feel to it. Yeah, I, I love that they say here, once you decide, I, I think this should be in italics. It's not. But <laughs> once you decide that you care about feeling good, you will find it easier to more consistently choose a better feeling direction in your thoughts. And yeah. you know, the thing I noticed about this little, you know, dialogue here or monologue here is that it wasn't shoot for the stars fantastic feeling stuff it was just a subtle switch away from oh how am i going to make it like one of the parts of the you know the original statement i can't afford these inflated prices i'm having a hard time mm -hmm. and in this situation it says i always manage yeah right prices do fluctuate i always manage uh it's working out all right and so it it's not I'm glad we're rich. I mean, it's it's not way out there where we can't believe it. It's it's just a subtle change. Yes, it's a small movement. It's not trying to bite the whole elephant. It's trying to eat one little bit of it. One bite at a time. That's yeah. right. When the desire to feel good is effectively active within you, a consistent inspiration toward good-feeling thoughts will be present. 
and you will find it easier and easier to direct your thoughts in productive directions. Your thoughts contain enormous, creative, attractive power that you harness effectively only by consistently offering good feeling thoughts. When your thoughts constantly move back and forth between wanted and unwanted, pros and cons, pluses and minuses, you lose the benefit of the momentum of your pure positive thought. And you know, as you're reading that, as you read it, I realized there is one little flaw in the way they wrote it. I think they just kind of missed what they were what they had written there. It says, "Your thoughts contain enormous creative attractive power that you harness effectively only by consistently offering good feeling thoughts." And the thing that's missing there is it's not it's not completely true because our thoughts are capable of attracting all kinds of stuff, both positive and negative. And, and so it, we don't just attract the good feeling thoughts. What the, what's missing is that what they probably intended to say is the good feeling thoughts are so much more powerful than the negative feeling thoughts that, that literally no matter what kind of uh, bad place you're in, just by starting to, to focus on the good feeling thoughts, you, you move actually fairly quickly into the good feeling domain. Whereas if you stay in the negative domain, the negative stuff will tend to show up if you, if you stay there long enough, but it's, it's a weaker energy. It's not as powerful because we don't like it. It's the, it's the like factor that makes it more powerful when it's the good feeling stuff and less powerful when it's the, the not good feeling stuff. Right. So we, we lose the benefit of momentum when we... And that's what they say at the end. That's what made me think that they, they, they just kind of, they, they didn't say it quite the way they intended to. So we, we, we're always creating all the time. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Just whether we're deliberately creating the things that feel better. So we want to make sure that we get into this habit of directing our thoughts. And, you know, I would say too, just better feeling, better feeling thoughts. Yes. Just shoot for what's a little bit better, like right. this, from, from oh, I'm never going to make it, How I can't make ends meet, to I always manage. Because if you're here, then we have managed somehow. <laughs> this right? is true, yeah. In fact, uh, in other passages, they've talked about how if you're in depression, aim for anger, because it's, it's a slightly more positive thought. Um, exactly. Which, is, which can be a good thing to do. I, I have to say, I don't always recommend that because sometimes anger doesn't feel all that different anyway. So you got to shoot for something that does feel at least a little bit better. Um, it can't be something that it doesn't feel like there's any difference at all. But if anger does feel like it's a little bit better than depression, by, by all means, go for it. Because once you get there, then you can go up another step and another step and another step. Um, my only point is just make sure that what you're going for, even if it's a negative emotion, does feel better. <laughs> Right. So just ask yourself what you do want. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the, the only thing that I could say that I really want is more time because we're out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but Cindy, it's been great. Before we leave, how do people reach you if they want personal assistance? Uh, they can find me on the web, CindyChavez.com. C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z.com. Terrific. Cindy, we'll talk again next week, next Tuesday. Yes, we will. And uh, the, we, we, of course, do this uh Twice daily, Monday through Friday, so this afternoon will be with Wendy Dillard, and we hope that you all join us next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.